Cowboys were still not winning. And uh, so <laughs> I really don't have a clue. Uh, but uh, anyways, I, I, for, I forgot to get the PowerPoint remote, and so Eddie is going to be following along tonight. And some people have been concerned that maybe he was sleeping back there. And I just want to make sure that uh, hey, you, you, can, you can run it back there. It'll be okay. I want us tonight to talk about a pretty familiar passage to all of us. And there, there are certain things in the Bible that all of us are familiar with, that we use it in our everyday vocabulary. But sometimes, because it is so familiar to us, we, we can miss, I think, some pretty profound points that, that ought to come to our mind when we, when we hear of these things. And, and that's what we turn to here in Matthew chapter 5, where we talk about being the salt of the earth. And Pat's going to bring me the remote because Eddie really did want a nap tonight. So, uh, thank you. Uh, but I want us to, to open our Bibles there to Matthew chapter 5 to read what Jesus says about you and about me when, when He refers to us as the salt of the earth. And He simply says that there, there in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. Now this thing doesn't work. This is a cruel joke that's being played on me here. Uh, Okay, but, but the passage that, that, that all of us know there in Matthew chapter 5 when he says, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, if the salt has become tasteless, how will it be made salty again? For it is good for nothing anymore except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. And when we hear those, those words that are tossed around about being the salt of the earth, one of the first things that, that I want to come into our mind is that when Jesus was looking at His crowds and He said this to them, He was giving them a great compliment. He, he was saying something about their value. He was saying something about the, their worth. And, and it's, it's a connection that we may not always make in our, in our common terminology because to us, salt isn't a very valuable thing. I mean, we all have it on the table and every restaurant has it and you can buy it by the pound and you can buy these big... And it just doesn't have much value. But, but when Jesus said this, He was saying, you are a very valuable substance. That's what salt was. As a matter of fact, when, in the first century, sometimes Roman soldiers would, would actually be paid with salt. And I just find that fascinating as, 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 to, how, as to how that would have come about. But that, that was how they were given their wages. You know, we come to the first of the month around the office and we're looking for our checks. Because we want, we want, some, we want the money. But, but they would be paid with, with salt. We, and that's where we get the, the, the terminology today when we say that, that a man is, is worth his salt. Well, that goes all the way back to the first century, right? Where, where they, we're saying so someone, someone did a job and they were worth whatever that cost. That they were worth their, their salt. And so I want us to understand that a great compliment is being given here. In, in, in a world where I think sometimes we are filled with such great insecurity about who we are and about, about what our value is and about what our worth is. Jesus, maybe even in a very small way, reminds us, you are something and you are someone that is very valuable to me. You, you, you are so valuable. Friends, we are so valuable that this very Son of God died for us. And if we will remember that, not just about ourselves, but about our brothers and sisters in Christ... That each one of us here tonight has value before God. That as I talk to a brother, as I talk to a sister, 
whether they are like me or not like me, whether I get along with them or I don't get along with them, that that is a person that Jesus Christ died for. And if I know that about you, I, I think that's going to affect our relationship. I think, I think it's going to affect the way that we treat each other and the way that we talk to each other. And if you remember that about me, that Jesus Christ died for me and He shed His blood because He thought that there was something valuable here. He thought that there was a soul that had value. And so He gives that great compliment when He says, You are the salt of the earth. But you know, I think also we can think of the fact that, that, that salt is something that creates thirst. I remember when, when I first heard someone talk about how, how people could, could dehydrate when they were on the ocean because if they would drink the salt water, it would only make them thirstier. And, and I remember thinking how strange that was, and it's still strange to me a little bit, even though I understand now it's because of the salt. And then if you have a lot of salt, you need something to, to, to drink. And if you, go, if you go down to the La Potosina, and, and, and Katie wouldn't approve of this, but you put a bunch of salt on your chips. She lectures me all the time about this. But if you put a bunch of salt on your chips, you know what you're going to need? You need something to drink. Because it, salt creates thirst. And as Christians, we ought to be a people that create some thirst. The Bible over and over talks about, talks about being thirsty for righteousness, about, about wanting and desiring these things. The psalmist said in Psalm 42 and verse 2, My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. These are things that I want. I can't wait. You know, I, I can't wait until I have this in my possession. That's the relationship that we want to have with God. Jesus said in this same context of the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This attitude that I hope and I pray that each one of us learn to exemplify with our lives, that we, we actually we want to, to know God. We, we, we want to have a deeper relationship. These are things that are constantly in front of us. It is that same thirst that as we live the Christian life, we are to be giving to other people. If we are the salt of the earth, we ought to be making people thirsty for Jesus, thirsty for our God. People ought to be looking at us and saying, I want that. I want to have what He has. I want to have what she has. The question, the question that we might ask is, does the world feel that way about us? I mean, when, when the, the people that we work with and the people that we're related to and the people that we spend our time around, is there something about our lives that makes them, that, that makes them say, you know, I wish my marriage was like their marriage. I, I, wish, I wish my life was like their life. I wish I had the peace that, that they have. You know, I, I shared something in a, in a sermon once about, about a, a realization that, that startled me almost several years ago. But, but, but th this is the statement that I made. There came a day when I began to realize that I wasn't scared. I'm not scared. I'm not scared of dying. I'm not saying that I want to die, but I'm not scared of dying. Because if I die, my God's in control. I'm not scared of losing my job. I don't want to lose my job. But if I lose my job, my God's in control. 
I'm not scared of getting sick or some disease. I don't want to get sick or get a disease. But if that happens, my God's in control. And I had this realization that for the first time in my life, and some of you know what this feels like, I'm not scared anymore. I'm not scared of all of those things that so many people are so scared of. I, I, I made that statement and I had a man that, that came to me the next day and, and he said, I, I, I had to come and talk to you because you said something last night that I don't understand. You said you weren't scared. You said you, 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 weren't, you weren't even scared of dying. And I want that. I want that peace that passes all understanding. I want to know what that feels like. I want to have that in my life. What happened? Well, friends, I can tell you that I only have that peace based upon a relationship and a knowledge of Jesus Christ, and that's exactly what he needed. And he was baptized into Christ. Why? Because, because Jesus Christ was reflected and it made him thirsty. I want to change. I want to change my, my relationships because, because you see people and, and, and people see you at work and, and their lives are filled with, with, with such turmoil and you can show them a better way. You can show them a life that isn't, isn't filled with, with constant fighting and backbiting. You can show them a life that, 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 that's filled with joy. And I'm telling you that most of the people in this world, that's not the life, that's not the existence that they have. They wish they had that, but they don't have that. What's different about you? Let me tell you what's different about me. To create thirst in the lives of the people that are around us. And so when the world looks at us, does it see that Jesus Christ has made that difference? Do we make people thirsty? Do we make people say, there's something different about Him. There's something different about her. And I don't understand it, but I wish that I had that. Salt not only creates thirst, but... Of course, salt saves. Salt saves. And, and we, we don't typically, or at least I don't typically use salt in this day, but we have to understand that there were no refrigerators when Jesus said this. You know, they, 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 they didn't have the, the, the frigid air or the GE that they could go and they could, put, they could put their milk in and they could put their meat in and it would be there good, good for weeks at a time. Salt is how they preserve their food. And if they didn't put salt on those things, and some of you men that have handled meat, and you know a lot more about this than I do, but some of you men and maybe some of you ladies who have done that, you know that that salt preserves the meat. That salt keeps that meat good. It keeps it from, from, from becoming rotten. And as Jesus says this, even within the context of being a light in a dark world, He says, you are to be the one, you are to be the agent that, that brings about the difference in other people's lives. You are to be the agent that, that, that saves those who are around. As Christians, as the salt of the earth, we need to understand that we have a role in preserving our society. There are many, there are many disturbing things about our society. There are many things that I don't like and I don't understand about, about the world that, that we live in. But there are also many good things about our society and, and, and about the world that we live in. And, and, and may, I, may I propose that the good things that, that are in our world and the good things that are in our community are here because in some way people are, are reflecting Jesus Christ? You think about the city of Sodom and Gomorrah with all of its wickedness. With all of its wickedness, the, 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 
The Lord says in Genesis 18 and verse 32, may the, or Abram says, May the Lord not be angry, and I shall speak this only once. Suppose that ten are found there. And the Lord said, I will not destroy it on account of the ten. Jesus said it, or God said it, if there are ten righteous people in that place, I will not destroy it. Ten people. We wonder, we wonder about the state of our world today, but friends, our world does not like the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. For I, for I, I have great confidence that we can find ten righteous people in our city. I believe we can find ten and hundreds of righteous people in our communities. But, what, but the things that are good are good because of Jesus Christ. For the people who will reflect Him, for the people who will stand for Him, for the people who will promote Him, that salt serves, serves the, the preservation of our society. Christians, Christians play a very special role in that. Even, even beyond the influence that we have in, in the delivering of the saving message. But Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to bring a message of salvation. But as Jesus has returned to, to, to that heavenly dwelling place, He has given that message to you and to me. That message of, of a cure. That message of something that can change eternal lives. That's what Paul talks about when he speaks of his mission in 2 Corinthians 4. And when he says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the surpassing greatness of the power of God may be of God and not from ourselves. You see, we have been given the privilege and we have been given the responsibility to, 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 to deliver and to tell people the things that will save their souls. But I want us to understand that if we do not do that, if we do not take that message, the world's not going to do that. Do we expect those who don't believe in Jesus to deliver the gospel? Do we expect those who, who, who are not Christians to tell people about Christianity and about the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? We are the ones. We are the only ones who will do that. God will not boom from the heavens. He has given that charge to you and to me, that, 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 that privilege, but also that responsibility. We have people in our world today who are dying, dying of different diseases, dying of, of, of things that, that, that have destroyed their bodies. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what, what it would be like if you had the cure for cancer? I mean, if you figured it out, that there's something very simple that, 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 that a man can do and it will cure cancer? Can, can, can you imagine getting to go and tell that to someone? Getting to go and tell your mother or your grandmother or your friend or the, or the members of this congregation who suffer with that disease and you can knock on their door and you can say, I know that you think that you're going to die, but I'm telling you that you're going to live. And here's how. That's what salt does. This great treasure in earthen vessels. That's what Jesus meant when He said, You are the salt of the earth. You are a special, precious people. A people that when others look at you, you, you make a difference. You make them thirsty for the things of righteousness and the things of holiness and the things of God. And you have the ability 
to have a positive role within your society, and even to have a positive role in regards to people's eternities as, as you deliver the, 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 the eternal changing message. But what happens? What happens if we lose our saltiness? You know, most of us, we, we struggle with this one again. Because I'm, well, I've gotten a lot of salt in my life, but I've, I've never gotten any salt and put it on my chips and said, you know, this wasn't very salty. Never got the, you know, the, 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 whatever that lady is with the little umbrella on the thing. I don't know what it's called, but you do. I've, I've never gotten one of those things of salt and said, you know, that salt just doesn't have any flavor to it. That's not the kind of salt that they had. Their salt was filled with impurities, filled with little rocks and things of that nature. And there would be some salt, but some, many times there would be many things that weren't salt. And over time, those things that weren't salt would, would, would degrade that salt until all they had were some rocks and some minerals. And over time, their salt wasn't really salt. And if that happened, if that happened to them in, in, a, in a physical way, it wasn't good for anything. Wasn't good for putting on their food, couldn't preserve their food. They just threw it out on the roads for people to walk on. Can that happen to us? If we fail, if we fail to be different from the world? I think one of the great challenges that we have is to come face to face with, 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 with the reality that, that, that if we're going to win the world for, for, for Jesus Christ, we can't be like the world. Because if I'm just like the world, then what do I have to offer them? If my life looks just like theirs, what, what reason do they have to, to, to listen to me or, or to come to me? You see, I want to give them something different. I want to show them the things and the difference that Jesus has made in my life. And, and, and if He hasn't made me any different, then, then I ask the question, well, what difference really has He made in my life? We must not lose. We must not lose that, that saltiness. We must remain distinctive. And I'm not talking about being different for different sake. I, I know that people, when these things can be abused and we don't want to go down that road. But I want us to understand that a Christian does not look like the people of the world. That a Christian by his very nature and by his very definition is one who has been called out from the world. And it's that difference that's going to make us appealing. It's that difference that, that, that's going to make us stand out as salt stands out. That's going to make us stand out as light stands out in a world of darkness so that we can share that joy and that soul-saving message. The reality is that if we lose that, if we lose our saltiness, then we become good for nothing. We must not allow that to happen. May we ask ourselves the question, are we really salt? Are we really light in a world of darkness? If we're going to be that, if we're going to have that impact, if we're going to save another soul and change another life, someone I think once put it better than I ever could have, we're going to have to get out of the salt shaker. I like that. You know that salt can sit there on the table in the shaker and as long as, it never, as long as it never gets on your chips or never gets on your food, doesn't do a bit of good, does it? You want to preserve some meat, you could back a semi-truckload of salt up and pour it in this auditorium and you could hang, you know, a hundred cows over here on the side and if they never come into contact, you know what's going to happen to that meat? Sorry for you folks sitting over here, but it's going to rot. 
right? It's got to come into contact. At some point, we, 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 must, we must interact with, with the world that is around us. Not, not, to, not to embrace the world, not to become like the world, but to take them the things that, that they need. This is something that people have struggled with for, from the very beginning. You, you remember in the church at Corinth when Paul wrote there in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 5 and apparently he had written to them earlier and he had written to them about, about their associations with the world and they thought that for some reason he meant, you know, you need to go over here and just build a wall around yourself and go and live in some commune somewhere. And he writes to them there in verse 10, he said, that's not what I meant at all. I didn't mean I didn't mean with the immoral people of this world or with the covetous and swindlers or the idolaters. Because if that's what I meant, you'd have to go out of the world. And there's some people who have done that. That can't happen. Because our mission is the same mission that Jesus had. To seek and to save the lost. Not just to hang out and have a good time with the world, but just like Jesus did, to go to the world with a mission. I hear people talking so often about Jesus and sinners. Friends, when Jesus was with sinners, He wasn't there just having a good time. He was there to teach them, to show them every single time. That's who we're to be, to constantly have that in our mind. What am I doing? I'm trying. I'm trying to win a soul. I'm trying to save a soul. I'm trying to be the salt of the earth. And so we must get out of the salt shaker and start to influence the lives of our friends and our family and our co-workers and our children and all of those people that we come into contact with every single day. Because we have something that truly is a great, great treasure. For you are the salt of the earth. That is the compliment, but that's also the challenge. So how salty are you? How salty are you? Friends, if you're not a Christian, it's time to become a Christian. Not just, a, not, not just in name only, but friends, if you're here tonight and you've never obeyed the gospel, you've never repented and you've never been baptized and had your sins washed away, it's time to do that. If you're here tonight and you never confessed your belief in Jesus Christ, not, not just one time in front of a whole bunch of Christians, that's... That may be a part of confession, but, but, but the confession that we read about in Romans 10.10 10, that, 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 that is made with the lips, it's more than that. It is this embracement of Jesus Christ where I want everyone to know who Jesus is. I want everyone to know that He is my Lord and that He is my Savior. And if you haven't done that, if we haven't been living that, then there's something missing in our lives. Friends, if you're here tonight... If you're here tonight and you, and you realize you look much more like the world than you look like Jesus, the good news is, the gospel news is, that you can change all of that tonight. But you must choose that. Choose it tonight as we stand and as we sing. Bear the news to every land Climb the steeps and cross the waves Onward tis our Lord's command 
Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Give the winds a mighty voice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let the nations now rejoice. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Shout salvation full and free. Highest hills and deepest caves. This our song of victory. Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Thank you, Wes. Thank you all for being here tonight. Um, If you were unable to take the Lord's Supper, uh, you can go as we sing number 535 uh, in your book, 535, The Glory Land Way. Um, We'll sing this song um, as our closing song, and after this song, we'll be dismissed in prayer. It's been great to worship with you today. Hope that you have a great week, and hope to see you back on Wednesday night at 7. You can go during this song if you need to take the Lord's Supper, and after this, we'll be dismissed in prayer. 535. I'm in the way, the bright and shining way. I'm in the glory land way. Telling the world that Jesus saves today. Yes, I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. I'm in the glory land way. Heaven is nearer and the way grows. I'm in the glory land way. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, our Lord and our God, we thank you, Father, for this day, this chance to come and worship you. We thank you for all the blessings in our lives, and Father, we ask that as we go out this week that we may take those blessings and we may use them to further your kingdom, to help those that are in need. We thank you so much for your son's sacrifice on our behalf, and we ask that you may forgive us when we have fallen short of your mark. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.